listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonçalves. Coming up, calls to the National Debt Helpline rising. We preview tomorrow's official inflation report and Bitcoin bouncing back. We'll tell you why. Your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Tuesday, the 24th of October, 2023. Later on Market Day, we'll speak with uh, Josh Gilbert from eToro. But first, to the National Debt Helpline, which is a free, not-for-profit service that helps people tackle their debt problems, offering access to professional financial counsellors. It has seen a 28% increase in demand for its services this year. So for more, Raina Bosch spoke with Claire Tacon. She's the Director of Financial Counselling at the Consumer Action Law Centre, which runs the helpline. The National Debt Helpline was set up to provide immediate access to a financial counsellor. People can ring 1800 007 007 from anywhere in Australia and you'll, you'll get access to speak to a financial counsellor who will talk to you about your rights and options. Uh, so it's, it's for people who are experiencing financial hardship. People are unable to pay their bills and debts. It's no secret that Australians are struggling with 12 interest rate rises and the cost of living ticking higher. What is it that you're seeing? We've seen a massive increase in demand for financial counselling services across the country. Uh, Calls to the National Debt Helpline have grown uh, 28% this year. Uh, In New South Wales, calls have gone up about 30, over over 30%. And in Victoria, that's over 40%. uh, So there's also been an increase in demand for local uh, financial counselling agencies. Uh, They're at capacity, really long waiting lists. A lot of financial counselling agencies have actually closed their books just so they can try and keep up. Looking further into this data, it appears that this surge has taken place since January this year. Now, obviously, interest rate rises started taking place quite a while before that. Can you talk us through what you believe to be the cause of this? Yeah, I think what we're seeing is a, a new cohort of people that are that are contacting us. So it's always been uh, in the past that people who call us have had something go wrong in their lives. There's been some misfortune that uh, you can see a really clear link between that and the financial hardship. But uh, lately what we're seeing is that uh, there are people who are calling us who uh, nothing, nothing's changed for them. So they're working, uh, their, their salary has remained stable, but because of the, the, uh, the uh, interest rate rises and the cost of living increases, they're just not able to pay their bills and debts. So we've got those people calling us as well as the, the more traditional uh, people who've you know, have had something, some misfortune happen to them. Now, the narrative that we're hearing from the banks is that mortgage customers are largely faring well when it comes to their management of these interest rate rises. Is that what you're seeing on your end? I mean, I I think what we're seeing is that people will do anything to maintain those mortgage payments. So we're seeing people who are putting more on their credit cards, they're turning to buy now, pay later, to pay for essential living, you know, they're putting their groceries on by now, pay, lo- pay later. We're seeing more and more people who are in uh, debt spirals because they're, they're prepared to do anything to maintain those those mortgage payments. And Claire, as someone on the front line, what can be done? Uh, well, I mean, we hope that the government will continue to provide targeted support to vulnerable people. 
you know, anyone who is is feeling um, you know worried about their financial circumstances should call the National Debt Helpline. Uh, you know, you'll be speaking to someone who's on your side. We're independent from the banks. We'll help you work out a plan and and uh, you know hopefully help you improve your financial circumstances. That was Raina Bosch speaking with Claire Tacon, the Director of Financial Counselling at Consumer Action Law Centre, which runs the National Debt Helpline. And that number is 1-800-007-007. So it's 1-800-007-007. Now, Market Day on the SBS On The Money podcast. The Australian share market snapped a a couple of days losing streak. The the, uh, S&P ASX 200 up by 0.2%. For more, I spoke with Josh Gilbert, a market analyst at eToro. Yeah, it's a good question. I think I would certainly say it's uncertainty. Um, You know, there is always something to worry about in sort of financial markets, but markets right now are climbing a bit of a wall of worry. Um, Then add in what is a huge sort of CPI reading that we have tomorrow. And I think we're just sort of seeing risk off sentiment really sort of prevail um, start of the day, local market was in the green. We saw it sort of tail off in that afternoon trade. We had mega cap sort of materials, financials. They were doing much of the heavy lifting, but then we've sort of seen them sort of pull off. And that's why we, we're sort of losing today's early gains. So, you know, you're seeing oil and gold also gain today. So really uncertainty and just sort of general risk off sentiment prevailing today. Can we climb that wall of worry as you say right um that nervousness around the middle east conflict just how worried are investors about it look i definitely think there is is something for investors to be cautious and nervous about and i think the nervousness is warranted you know especially when we throw in some of these other uncertainties that, that come on that wall you know higher for longer rates these rising yields that we're seeing i think all of this can really skew the the macro environment that we envisaged as in sort of improving um, that, that that can all sort of really change this. This is, again, one of those black swan events that no one could sort of ever really predict. And I think that's why we're in this sort of um, area now or this this time of, of sort of high uncertainty and, and high uncertainty is, is costly. It, it saps economic growth. Um, it delays decision making. It cuts back on capital flow. You know, we, we saw a huge range of uh, big name IPOs come through in the US uh, sort of through September and early October. You know, the brakes have been pumped on that sort of pretty quickly and we're seeing uh, that sentiment sort of drop. But I think for some context, the history of geopolitical shocks on markets is, is sort of relative, relatively low um, and short lived as well. So I think there is no doubt that there is going to be short term pain. But I think for long term investors, it's about sort of zooming out and focusing on sort of those long term goals. You mentioned CPI a few moments ago. We get those numbers um, from the Bureau of Stats tomorrow. Um, just how important will it be for, for the, the future of the markets, in particular the direction for interest rates? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's massive and obviously a big week, you know, from the inflation standpoint, because not only do we get the quarterly number, we're also getting the, the monthly number as well. I think this is even bigger in the sense after we had the minutes uh, last week, which were, I think, sort of tilted towards the hawkish side. I think there was a comment in there about the RBA having a very low tolerance for slower inflation, um, getting back to, to sort of its target. So I think that sort of changed the market dynamic a little bit. Um, so any upside surprises this week to what is expected. We're expecting about a 5.1% reading. 
Um, any upside surprises on that, I think, um, you know, are really going to sort of put the market into sort of reverse a little bit because that then lifts the expectations that rates are going to rise again uh, and are going to stay slightly higher for longer. And there are definitely upside risks, right? We, we've sort of spoken about the Middle East conflict there, um, what comes through in terms of automotive fuel and oil. Those are sort of risks there. There's risks on the on the services side as well. So anything sort of, I think, above you know, that sort of maybe 5.1 going up to say 5.3, 5.4 is a real risk. Anything under that number, though, I think the, you know, uh, Michelle Bullock and the RBA will, will sort of take some positivity there. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it gives them a case to, to sort of stay on hold again in November. We know that markets have been pretty soft of late, but there's one asset class that's been bubbling along for a couple of months. And then just over the past few sessions, p- past few days, it's been surging. And that's Bitcoin, um, somewhere near 35,000 US at the moment. Can you run us through why it's seen this resurgence? Yeah, absolutely. So again, it's it's sort of been quiet in the background Bitcoin this year, but it is still sort of the best performing asset class in terms of crypto this year. We've, you know, those gains that we've seen over the last couple of sessions taken its year to date gains to over 100%. And, and a lot of this optimism is coming from the growing expectation that we will see an acceptance of a Bitcoin spot ETF in the US. Um, we've got BlackRock, um, who is you know the world's largest asset manager who have put through an application they have a, f- a fantastic record of getting uh, ETFs through um, and I don't think that the the sort of the, the, the full view of a Bitcoin sort of ETF is, is sort of really being accepted um, I think for context you know in 2022 that the assets under management of global ETFs was around 10 trillion dollars and that itself just simply can't be underestimated, particularly uh, for an asset class that is pretty well unowned by institutions, but very well owned by retail investors. Um, sentiment amongst investors is returning. It's been, we've seen a, a you know, big depression of um, sentiment amongst investors over the last 12 to 18 months. But uh, we did a sort of a survey just recently, which surveys 10,000 investors uh, across the globe. And it found that of all the asset classes, crypto was the one that sort of came out on top. 15% said that um, crypto was the asset class that they see as the biggest opportunity in sort of the last three months of the year. So there's the, the acceptance of a, bo- a Bitcoin spot ETF, uh, then throw in uh, the March Bitcoin halving, which is always proven to be a pivotal moment for Bitcoin. Um, you know, all of those sort of bubbling together is, is really creating a great environment for Bitcoin to thrive, which is what we're seeing right now. So for, for those that don't necessarily understand ETF, so does it basically mean that crypto is being seen as a more legitimate investment if we're seeing a big fund manager um, looking to, to create a product, I guess? First part of the question. But on the second side, what about those people that look at it and still think, hey, this is an, an unregulated asset? Yeah, so, so firstly, absolutely. Um, in terms of a huge name like BlackRock coming into the space um, and wanting to, to sort of offer, you know, crypto and Bitcoin to its, um, you know, to, to its users is, is absolutely massive. But also it means that we can then start to see institutions getting involved with this asset in a clearer way. We're talking pension funds. We're talking superannuation funds. It's, a, it's an on-ramp to an asset class that has maybe been sort of, you know, left out in the cold over, you know, the last couple of years from institutions, given that there has been, you know, it, it's not been easy to sort of own this asset class. Um, and secondly, yes, I think we're, we're moving in the right direction 
of, of sort of clearer regulation. And that's really important. That has been a reason why we haven't seen a number of institutions get involved with this asset over the years. We're seeing, you know, a, a pathway to clearer regulation here in Australia. And we're starting to see the SEC uh, in, in the US um, you know, warm to this asset a little bit more. And I think if an ETF is accepted in the US, uh, you know, that's a bit of a tip of the hat from the SEC to sort of say, okay, you know, we're starting to approve of this asset more than we ever have before. Okay. And finally, where do you see the opportunities for investors? Also, we spoke a little bit about the sort of the wall of worry right now, and we're starting to see, you know, a bit of weakness across global markets. We're coming up to what is, I believe, a pivotal um, sort of Q3 earnings season in the US. So any sort of weakness that we see across big tech in this current sell-off, I think would open up opportunities. You know, tech is the, the biggest and the best performing sector. It's got the strongest growth. Um, we talk about the Magnificent Seven. Those are the names that are leading the earnings recovery. For a bit of context there, their Q3 profits, those, those big seven, they're set to see a rise of over 30%. Compare that to the other 493 companies in the S&P 500, well, it's minus 2%. Um, so that, in our view, justifies their premium valuation uh, and their strong earnings, I think, um, will help boost markets and I think should lift sentiment over the next couple of weeks. That is Josh Gilbert from eToro. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. Yeah.